0: Our God is a good God. Yes. How's everybody doing tonight? Good. We're going to speak about a topic that's uh, it's one of my favorite topics, is how to flow in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Now, many of you may not know my story, but if you've been around Rez for any length of time, you've heard about my story that I spent 11 years in prison I got my first bank robbery when I was 16, or illegal withdrawal from a financial institution, if you want to put a white collar bend to it. I was born again in 1996, and subsequently filled with the Holy Spirit. at About, about a couple weeks after that, I was filled with the Holy Spirit. And then two years later, I really started to flow in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, And God wanted to make a mark on my life. So I was in Jackson State Prison, and I was in the part of the prison that was the medical facility, so it was a lower level. I wasn't in a higher level. And uh, there was this guy, you know, I worked out a lot, as if you can't tell. I didn't get this from Jane Fonda videos. (laughs) (laughs) And I would be working out, and I would always see this tall gentleman with thick glasses, and he would come up to me and he'd ask me about tips about working out, but I'd never see him in the weight pit working out. So I asked him one day, I said, how come I never see you in the weight room? And he's like, well, I can't until maybe after my surgery. And I said, why, what's going on? I thought he injured himself or something. He said, no, I'd be working out. And one time I was at this other facility and I, something came over me and I just started going like this and I walked right into the perimeter fence. And if you don't know, that's not a good thing to do. There's gun towers. They have guns up there for a reason. And so he got thrown in solitary confinement. He got charged with attempted escape. They moved him to another facility, and it happened again. And he was like, I don't know what's going on. It's like he, he woke up or something, and, but he just walked right off into the fence. And so they sent him, and they did some scans, and they found out that he had a tumor on his brainstem. It was a cancerous tumor. It was right on his brainstem, and it was growing. And he said, I can't do anything strenuous because if I exert myself, it, it triggers this, it cuts off, does a neurological thing, and I just don't know what I'm gonna do. And he said, they're gonna do surgery on me in two weeks. And how many of y'all know? The, I wouldn't wanna have surgery on my brainstem at all, but how many of y'all know I do not want a Department of Corrections surgeon? doing any kind of surgery on me. I mean, I can't, I can't imagine that this guy, when he was going to medical school with the dream of someday I'll be a doctor at the penitentiary. No. And so my heart really went out to this guy. And, you know, I was in my cell and, and I just had this unction in my spirit that I'm supposed to pray for him. And, and so I went up to him and I said, you believe in God? And he said, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm a Catholic guy. And, and I said, I want to meet you out on the yard. I, I want to go over some things with you. I want to pray for you. Will you let me pray for you? He said, yeah. So we went out on the yard. And I, if I if I had told you I wasn't nervous, I'd be lying to you. I was very nervous. You see, with the gifts of the Spirit, what usually hinders him from moving is us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're too focused on us. And that was me. I was focused on me. And I was I was stressing over it. So, But I went out there and I had him on the yard and I opened up the scripture and I went over some verses with him. And I just, I mean, I took him on a theological dissertation of healing and miracles and all this stuff. And he's just standing there looking at me like a dog in a new pan. And I'm like, he's like, can we pray now? I'm like, yeah. So I, you know, put my hands on the back of his neck and I'm just, I prayed a prayer. I prayed a sermon over that man. And, uh, Jesus name. Amen. And I'm like, did you feel anything? He said, no, I didn't feel anything. And so I got disappointed and I went in there and, and then uh, I kind of avoided him after that (laughs) because I had a reputation. I was known as uh, the Bible thumper on the compound. And uh, they, they, they called me Jesus freak and all that other stuff. And then, so a couple weeks later, I'm walking around the track and he comes running up to me and I notice he's got workout gloves on and he's like, Mike, Mike, And he's all sweaty, and I'm like, hey, what's going on? What are you doing? I just got through working out. And I said, what? What What do you mean? He said, when I went in to get my surgery, they had to do another scan on me to make sure, you know, what has shifted, how much had grown. And they said that the tumor decreased in size by half. And they gave me the go-ahead to go and work out. And they said they've never seen a tumor like this ever decrease. And so they wanted permission to take scans every three months to watch it die. Hallelujah. So I was like, yeah, that's my God right there. (laughs) But that didn't happen because I'm special, because I'm in ministry, because I was in ministry. I was 209-626 at that time. And that didn't happen. God didn't do that miracle through me to validate me or how I was living or my character or anything. He did it to validate this. The gifts and the miracles of God validate the Word of God. They don't validate who we are, they validate who He is. And then it was about a month after that, because, you know, I'm in a medical facility, I was a uh, porter, you know, so I swept and did things like that. And this guy broke his ankle. And this guy was a little different than the other guy. At least this guy had a Catholic background. This other guy, they called him Frenchy because he was from Quebec. And he broke his ankle and because I was the porter and because I was big, I had to carry him to the, to the hospital. So I carry him down there. He's in pain and he's just, he's going nuts. And they get him in there, they do an x-ray and they give him aspirin, you know, and they're not giving out no, no painkillers in there, let me tell you. So I carry him back up to his cell. And they said, the doctor's going to be in tomorrow. We're going to to do surgery. We're going to take you out and do the hospital. And I'm in my cell, and the Lord is like, why don't you go pray for his ankle? And I'm like, oh, man, just leave me alone right now, Lord, please. <laughs> and I was like, okay, the thing in the back of his neck, that's one thing. But this guy's got a broken ankle. Come on. But he just kept, kept, kept leaning on me. So I said, okay. So I went down there, and I said, Frenchie. I said, I don't know where you're at with God. And he's like, oh, yeah, we're effing and all this. And I'm like, yep, I can tell where you're at with God right now. <laughs> it's all good. And I said, can I pray for your ankle? And he said, yeah, what the F, give it a try. <laughs> so I laid my hands on him, and I pray. This one wasn't as long. <laughs> I wanted to get out of there, actually. I prayed for him. And, and then the next day they called me. They said, we need you to carry him down, back down to the hospital. So I went up there to carry him, and he said, no, I'm walking. And I'm like, what? He said, yeah, it's feeling better. So we walked to the, to the hospital. And I hear him in there, and the doctor's going, what, what? And they did another x-ray, and they're looking at the They did like six, six sets of x-rays on him because they had an x-ray with his broken ankle, and then they had an x-ray with his healed ankle. Woo! Woo! <laughs> Guess what Frenchie did? He showed up to service on Sunday. He said, I want to know this God who healed me. And the gifts of the Spirit, you know, all throughout the Bible, Jesus and the apostles, they used them like a bell to draw people to the message. It says in Hebrews 2, verse 3 and 4, this is the Living Bible translation. What makes us think that we can escape if we are indifferent to this great salvation announced by the Lord Jesus himself and passed on to us by those who heard him speak? God always has shown us that these messages are true by signs and wonders and various miracles and by giving certain special abilities from the Holy Spirit to those who believe. Yes, God has assigned such gifts to each of us. If you are a believer, you have the Holy Spirit within you and you also have a miracle within you. But it's not for you. It's for somebody else. You have within you somebody else's miracle. And a lot of times, well, we know fear is the biggest thing, but we're always so focused on ourselves. But this generation needs a demonstration of God. They need a demonstration of the Lord. They're not, they're not, they're not going with our, now this church is different. I'm, when I say church, I'm not talking, I'm talking about the church at large, the, the, the different denominations. And most of the denominations, the young people are leaving like crazy because they're not listening to words only. They wanna see something. They wanna experience. They wanna be involved in something. They want to experience God. In Mark 16, verse 17 and 18 in the Amplified Bible, it says, These signs will accompany those who believe. Oh, does it say these signs will accompany pastors? These signs will accompany evangelists? These signs will accompany prophets? No, it says these signs will accompany those who believe. Your qualification for signs and wonders and miracles operating in your life is that you believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it will not hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will get well. I've been guilty of it myself back in the day. I'd be praying and well, I wonder what the Lord's going to do. Lord, you got to move and do something and, and all that. And Pastor Dwayne did an awesome message this morning when he about grace and faith. Yeah, everybody hear that one this morning? I was sitting there, I was like, oh, yeah, he's teeing it up good for tonight. <laughs> Thank you, Pastor. <laughs> God already did everything. He's done everything. He's not gonna do a thing more. He's given us power, he's given us authority, he's given us his name, he's given us everything. It's up to us to step out. It didn't say anything about the Lord will speak in new tongues, or the Lord will pick up serpents, or if they if the Lord drinks anything daily, it says that they will. That means we will. If God were to come and take up residence. In America, I think he would live in Missouri, the show-me state, (laughs) because he is ready to demonstrate who he is. He's not just about talk. And so many times, I liken it to this. I I like cars. I don't know about you guys, but I like cars. like fast ones, like a Lamborghini. Imagine if you had a Lamborghini. It was in your garage. You had a V12, all that power, Oh man, I'd be salivating over that thing. Probably kiss my license goodbye and my driving record, but and I'd be and I could get in it and look at it and see it and know all the power and I got a Lamborghini, but then I decide to drive my ride my bike every day as a mode of transportation. And I get to the office and I'm telling everybody about this Lamborghini that I have and all this power that it has and all but I never get in start it up and actually drive it. A lot of times in the body of Christ, we have a lot of believers who know and can quote the scripture and tell us all about how powerful God is, but they can't show us. And I'd even go as far to say that the Christian life that's not supernatural is superficial. Mm. Mm. Let me say that one more time: the Christian life that is not supernatural is superficial. Remember Stephen? He was in the helps ministry, what we'd call the helps ministry today. But he was doing miracles and signs and wonders in Acts 6, 2 through 5. So the 12 called the disciples together and said it is not appropriate for us to neglect the teaching, the word of God in order to serve tables and manage distribution of food. Therefore, brothers, choose from among you seven men with good reputations, men of godly character and moral integrity, full of the Spirit and of wisdom, whom we may put in charge of this task. It didn't say to put them in charge of a ministry. This is just a task. All you gotta do is hand out food to people, make sure everybody's got enough, that's all. But we want somebody who's got godly character, full of integrity, and full of the Holy Spirit. And... and, and Oftentimes, you know, we, we tend to have this thing where people in the pulpit are the, ooh, they're, they're the supernatural, they're the powerful ones, and I'm just, a, I'm just a pew sitter, and what do I have? Let me tell you, you've got the exact same Jesus in you that I have in me. You've got the same Holy Spirit in you that I have. We all read the same Bible, and he's no respecter of persons. And when the church gets it, and starts being the church more than just attending church. I'm all for attending church. I could give you tons of scripture. You better be at church. <laughs> but if we, we're here to learn how to be the church. hmm but we will continue to devote ourselves steadfastly to prayer and to the ministry of the word and then in verse 8 it says now Stephen full of grace divine blessing favor and power was doing great wonders and signs attesting miracles among the people so he was he was operating in miracles just handing out food doing tasks he didn't have a pulpit, he, wasn't, he didn't have a big ministry or any of that stuff. He was just doing the simple task of helping feeding people, yet he was doing signs and wonders and great miracles among the people. The word of God is confirmed by the power of God. When miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit are flowing, it's to show that what you're saying is not your words, but they're God's words and a miracle is something that only god can do i've heard some things from some well meaning people now don't 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 take don't take this the wrong way okay i've heard people say you know we just we just needed the, we needed this stuff and 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 this person came along and they provided this and they gave us all this stuff and oh that was a miracle of god no Maybe somebody heard about it, had a generous heart, and decided to give you some stuff. But it wasn't a miracle. If, if, if man has anything to do with it, it's not a miracle. If it's something that only God can do, that's a miracle. Like grow a limb back. <laughs> There's no question that's a miracle. So we have, to, we have to make sure that we understand what miracles are, what gifts are, and so forth. So we're going to move along here. Mark 16, 19 through 20. So then when the Lord Jesus had spoken to them, he was taken up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God, and they went out and preached everywhere while the Lord was working with them and confirming the word by the signs that followed. John 10, 37. This is a powerful statement that Jesus made. He said, He said, if I do not do the works of my Father, this is the Amplified Version, that is the miracles that only God could perform, then do not believe me. He's like, I'm not just telling you theologies or opinions. I'm telling you words from heaven. And if I don't have the power to back them up, then you don't even need to listen to me. That's pretty heavy. And that's Jesus himself. And we know that Jesus didn't start his ministry until he was baptized with the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God came on him after he came out from being baptized by John in the water. Spirit came on him, and he got his identity confirmed. This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And then he started his ministry walk. When Jesus appeared to the disciples, they were shut up in the room. He breathed on them. He said, receive the Holy Spirit, They were born again. They had the Holy Spirit. He spent 40 days with them, talking to them pertaining to the things of the kingdom. You would think that with that education, Jesus himself sitting with you telling you things, you got the Holy Spirit, but he said no. He gave them this command, do not go anywhere until you receive the gift of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. If Jesus needed the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the disciples needed the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we need the disciples. I mean, we need the Baptism of the Holy Spirit. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and then you shall be witnesses. Not everybody is called to vocational ministry. Not everybody's called to preach. Not everybody's called to be in an office of ministry, but everybody is called to be a witness. Let me tell you, the best way you can witness is through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's the best witness. We've been traveling to the Philippines now. We're going in February. This will be my 10th time over there. And I'll never forget, this was about seven years ago. We were in the Philippines, and we just got done with a 10-day tour in a remote island. And after 10 days, you're pretty wore out. I mean, we're having crusades every single night. We're doing school assemblies. We're praying for people for hours and in lines. And by the time we were done with that, and we got back to Manila, we had a night before we had to catch our flight the next day, and I was like, "Man, I'm sick of eating rice, and I'm sick of eating food that's looking at me. I want some real food." <laughs> so we—I was with a, a couple friends of mine, Clint and uh, Larry—and and we found a Chili's restaurant. So we go into Chili's and we're sitting down, and 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 we got these uh, mango shakes, and I'm loving this mango shake, and Clint, he's smiling at me. He taps me on the shoulder. He says, hey, look, look over there, and there's a bar over there, and there's an Indian guy from India. He looked, you know, he was dressed like he was a businessman, and he had some Filipino lady with him, and he was three sheets to the wind, and he's just sitting up there, but he said, look at his leg, and he had one of those shoes that had a Soul on it was about that thick, and it was kind of twisted. He obviously had a def- deformed leg. And he's like, let's go give him a miracle. I said, Clint, you go give him a miracle. I'm eating. And so we're sitting there, and our food comes, and we're chowing down. And uh my friend Larry, he taps me. He says, look, and Clint's over there. He's just got this big smile. He's got this guy's shoe off, and his leg is quite a bit shorter than the other one. It's all twisted. He's got it, and he's just... Going like this, and the next thing you know, whoop, straightens right out and lines right up with the other leg. Right in the middle of chilies. <laughs> so they bring him over to the table, and you know, the guy's getting up. He 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 was excited. He was kissing him on the head and and he was sober, instantly sober. And they brought him over to me and they sat him down and he just sits across from me. He's got these wide eyes. He says, I am Hindu. I'm like, oh, geez. (laughs) I said, look, I said, he's told me a little bit of a story. He got ran over by a bus in India when he was a kid, and his leg's been like that. I says, have you prayed Hindu prayers over whatever you guys do in that religion about? You're like, oh, yeah, we've given gifts, and he's explained all that. I said, let me tell you something. I said, the reason your leg is straight right now is because Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the only son of God, healed your leg. And the same Jesus that just healed your leg also paid the price for your sins so that you could have relationship with the Father God and spend eternity with him. Do you believe that? And he just looked at me and he goes, yes, I do. I said, let's pray. And we led him to the Lord. Now I say that because in that situation, I could have gone up there, sat up next to him and started a conversation and we could have got into all kinds of debates. I could have told him that you know Jesus is the, the the son of God and I could have quoted scripture to him and he may have maybe he might have maybe he not but he couldn't deny that Jesus was lord with his healed leg <laughs> But I also want to tell you this too. Here's the other side of that too. A miracle doesn't guarantee that somebody's going to believe God. It's not a guarantee. Because at that same bar was a man who was from Australia. I didn't know it at the time, but he looked Western. We had just got through eating, and and, uh, I said, well, we're warmed up. We got something going here. We might as well go after him. So I went up to the bar, sat next to him, (laughs) and I started talking to him, and he was one of these oil tanker guys. He rode on those ships, and, um, and I started talking to him, and I said, hey, did you see what the Lord did and all that? And he was having none of it. I, stood, I talked to him for an hour, witnessed to him, told, I mean, everything, shared my story. He wouldn't have it. A miracle does not guarantee someone's gonna believe in Jesus Christ. And don't discount this either because there's so many scriptures in the, in the Bible where they reasoned with them through the scriptures and won them over through the scriptures. But I'm gonna tell you, the key to walking in the gifts of the Spirit is this. Spending time in the word of God, meditating in the word of God, and then going out and being a witness to what this word is, being a living epistle, and God's power will back you up. He'll say, that's my boy, that's my girl, let me show you. So I'm just going to give you a couple keys to flowing in the gifts of the spirit. Number one, you have to eagerly desire them. You have to desire them. You have to want them it's okay to pray god i want to do miracles i want to i want the gifts of the spirit to flow through me i want to i want to operate in the word of wisdom i want to operate in the prophetic i want i want to lay hands on people and heal father god i'm desiring that you have to desire them it says in first corinthians 12 31 now eagerly desire the greater gifts Number two, you have to understand that they are always flowing. This old Pentecostal doctrine of the anointing coming and going is just not true. Oh, let's pray it up so we can get a strong anointing. The anointing doesn't turn on and off. It doesn't go away and come back. It's on 24-7. God is on 24-7. We're the ones that are off. Not him. He is ready to go at a moment's notice. All the promises of God are yes and in him, amen. 1 John 2.27, as for you, the anointing, the special gift, the preparation which you receive from him remains permanently in in you, and you have no need of anyone to teach you. Permanently in you. Now you may not feel it, but like Pastor Dwayne said this morning, our feelings are fickle. I, I have prayed literally in the last 12 years. I could tell you story after story after story of miracles, of healings, words of wisdom, words of knowledge, prophetic utterances. I could tell you them all day. And I have only felt anything happen two times the whole time. I mean, I pray for people and they don't even fall down. At first, I was like, man, what's going on? But then they come up and say, hey, I'm healed and all that. And I'm like, why didn't you fall down? You're supposed to fall down. You're making me look bad up here. Like, I ain't got the stuff, man. Pastor Dwayne, he's laying them down like cordwood, man. They're a boom, 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 boom. I'm like, what's up, man? That's because God doesn't want us trusting in our feelings. He wants us trusting in his word. It's in his word. That settles it for me. That's enough. You shall lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. That's all I need to know right there. I believe it. How do you know I believe it? Because you lay hands on sick people and they recover. And number three, the divine flow is love. The gifts of the Spirit flow out of love because they it's who God is. It's not what he has, it's who he is. 1 John 4, 8, whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. So if you have any other motivation for wanting to flow in the gifts of the Spirit other than the love of God toward people, then you're starting off on the wrong foot. 1 Corinthians 2.4, And my message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom, using clever rhetoric, but they were delivered in demonstration of the Holy Spirit operating through me and of his power, stirring the minds of the listeners and persuading them. Paul said, I wasn't just talking the talk, I was demonstrating. You know what a demonstration is? You ever have those salesmen come to your door and they got a vacuum cleaner? Let me show you how it works. And they throw a bunch of dirt on your carpet. And you're like, you better get it up. Or I'm gonna show you a demonstration. People wanna, not, they, they, they wanna, they wanna see that the product works before they buy it, right? Well, you wanna get people to buy into the gospel you show him a demonstration of the Holy Spirit. Jesus himself said, if I do not do the works of my Father, the testing miracles, then don't believe me. You know, one of the greatest sermons you can preach is Jesus loves you. Recently, it was uh, earlier in the month, was it? Was it last? Yeah, earlier in the month? Um, I did a, we did an event Uh, the extreme orv expo it's a big trucker jeep thing it's it's a rough crowd (laughs) let me tell you it's a rough crowd (laughs) and one of the guys who who's uh with my friend mark and kelly here who put it on um who is working with him he's a rough customer i'll just put it to you that way and uh We're out there talking and he's saying, I gotta go to the hospital, my legs, he's got some neurological, all this stuff going on in his legs and and stuff like that. And my heart, I could see him. He was in pain and he was not having a good day and he was stressing. And my heart was really, I was having compassion for this guy. And I just put my arm around him and I said, hey, I said, do you know that Jesus loves you? And he looked at me (laughs) And 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 I said, can I pray for you? And he's like, yeah, takes a cigarette out of his mouth, and I said, "Father, I thank you that you love him so much that you heal his legs right now in Jesus' name, Amen." And I said, "See ya," and I left. Just left. Didn't 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 say check your legs or anything. I just did, didn't left. Well, Mark came up to me the next day and said, "Man, that dude is tripping out." <laughs> He said his legs have never felt better. He felt like a 20-year-old's legs. Guess where he was? Was it last Sunday? Last Sunday in this service, guess where he drove all the way from the other end of Ionia to come to service right here? Yeah. You want to get people to come to church? Go out there and be the church. If you want to fill this place, this place should be packed with people. Not because of the preachers. There's some of the best preachers in the world that come to this church and minister from the pulpit. Amen? Is that true? I, I, I mean, our pastor is one of them, but he brings the heat. He brings the best. Right? But we need to be the church. We need to be out there demonstrating that why we go to church is because the God that we serve is a loving God. He's a powerful God and he'll cut through any of the other stuff out there and he'll show up and he'll show you who he is in your life. And then there was a time here, it was about three, three years ago, my wife and I, we were at the John Maxwell live event. I'm a John Maxwell team member. I'm involved in John Maxwell stuff, and we're at this big event in Orlando, and I took my kids to Universal Studio, and, and we're just in line. Nobody knows I'm in ministry or nothing, and, and there's this, this girl who's crippled. I mean, she's really crippled, and I couldn't get my eyes off her. I couldn't get my mind off her. I, I start tearing up thinking about her. My heart was moved with compassion. And and I'm, there's crowds of people in everywhere, and I'm with my family, and I just said, Okay, I'm going. I'm gonna go, I'm going for it. I went up there and I talked, and they weren't believers, I found that out real quick, but they let me pray for her. And I prayed for her, and then I left, and there was nothing that happened right there. I mean, she didn't instantly get up and go, ah, and I never saw her again. But it doesn't matter. Our obedience is what matters. Being obedient to what he says to be and do is what matters. I tell people, I'm responsible for the message. He's responsible for the results. I'm responsible for stepping out. He's responsible for the results. It ain't about us, church. It's all about him. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes, please? I ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes for a simple reason. I want you to get alone with your heart. And if you know in your heart of hearts right now that you need to get right with God, maybe you've never really surrendered your life to him. Maybe you're visiting this church to check it out. Or maybe you're here and you know you're away from God the cares of this world, the other things have come in and choked out the life of your walk with God. Our walk with the Lord should be one full of life, full of love, full of victory. And if you're far from God, it's okay. God's not mad at you. He's crying out to you right now. Come back to me, son. Come back to me, daughter. So that's you in either of those conditions. You need to get right with God or you need to give your heart to him. No one looking around. I'm just gonna count to three. I just want you to simply raise your hand and raise it high. One, two, three. Slip up your hand. I see those hands. I see those hands over there. Awesome, 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 awesome. Awesome. You can put your hands down. I want you to repeat this prayer with me. Mean it with your heart and speak it with your mouth. Say, dear Jesus, This night, I give you my life. All that I am and all that I have, I freely surrender to you because I believe that you died for me, for my sin, and I have sinned, God, against you and against my fellow man. But tonight, I repent. I turn my back on my selfish way of living. I live for you from this day forward. Jesus, Savior, and Lord of my life. Amen. Give the Lord a big round of applause.